We kept you waiting. We've had some crazy technical difficulties. Hi, Martha Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Hey, thank Vicky, it was, we did it. We, we you did, did it. You thank did. you so much for your resilience because it really took resilience, didn't it? Oh, <laughs> it just, you know, you just have to just not panic and keep keep doing what you know. And, and always go, like you said, go back to the whole thing off and start over. You know, that's what it is. It's that for some reason we were having, we, we, I couldn't see Martha and we tried everything <laughs> to get her camera on. And all it took ultimately was to restart the damn computer. So the lesson yeah. learned is to well, always do that first. It worked. It worked. So, um, hi, hi, Martha. I think we, we both need a drink. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't drink, so that or won't nap. help. Or a nap. <laughs> Or a nap would be good. Um, so what have you been doing today? Have you done something fun that's offset this? Well, today has been an interesting day. So this just kind of uh, helped with that. I'm, we're traveling. So we're ah. in Ohio right now and, and trying to find a place to, to pull over to, um, to do the Zoom was, oh. was quite an experience. So, wow, well, thank so, you so much for doing, you're oh, traveling. Oh, no, I mean, I'm, it's my pleasure. It, and I feel bad that we made them wait a few minutes and, uh, but hopefully we'll have a great time. And That's right, and all will be forgiven. And, you know, bad dress rehearsal, good show. That's what they say. So, you know, we'll just, we'll just hope that. It's just like show business. Oops. Oh my goodness. Now, um, now, oh boy, now we got that going on. All right. That's over. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Martha, you're, are you traveling on book tour? What, what are you guys doing? Are you personal uh, travel? I have a play that's a play that is, I, I write musicals, the uh, musicals. And I've got one that they're having a VIP night tomorrow night. So um, uh, that's what. Tell, tell us about you. I'm so excited about this. I, I lead a writer's <laughs> workshop and one of the women is writing. Eileen Angel is writing a Broadway musical and we're very excited about it. We've been doing She's been workshopping it. What is tell us about your musical? I love this. Well, I I um, we started writing it. Uh, writing musicals about I think it's been about 12 years now something okay like we that. who's your writing partner uh, well I have uh, two of us two others and myself and it's Dan Postema and he's the producer and then uh, also uh, Wally Mason and he's the composer and I write the scripts and and we just started doing it we started with our first one and we are now we've done 13 and they're set in Amish country. <laughs> I've been to and, the Amish country many have times. Have you really? Oh, I that's have. cool. Yes. Well, they're they're set there and they're playing now in um, Sugar Creek, Ohio, and that's where we're heading. Uh, and then they are also in uh, 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 the in give me the um, Blue Gate at the Blue Gate. Uh, theater in uh, Shipshawana, Indiana. And then they're also in Florida and they are in um, uh, Pennsylvania at Burdenhand, Pennsylvania. And 
There's those are four. Bird in hand is where we Bird stayed in, yeah. in the Amish oh, country, no, oh. <laughs> and we had the best um, family style uh, fried chicken. And, oh yeah, the and, food is amazing. The food. So is now, amazing. do the Amish? They won't go to the show. To well, the they do it. You know, we we they do attend, and they but do? it's it's mainly you know it's for it's about the Amish, right? And and we always have an Amish character in the script and. Uh, but then it's it's for you know tourists and and there's you know as you know those are big tourist communities. Oh yes. So the tourists come and they enjoy it, but we definitely have Amish um, you know attended and and also they work at the hotels and so it's it, we're right in the middle of Amish country. And wow. they what we do is we have either the Amish character is in an uh, English setting or vice versa and it'll be you know whichever world and sometimes we blend the two worlds but it'll we'll do it uh you know sometimes in the Amish world and then sometimes in the English world but they always cross over and so is this something is it kind of like wit I'm sure you've seen witness with Harrison Ford yeah it would yeah it would be uh, compared to witness right and they have uh in fact, what's playing right now in Sugar Creek is Josiah for President, and it's a novel that I wrote, uh, and then we uh, put it to music, and and uh, it, it's about an Amish man who gets uh, kind of pushed into running for president, and it's against his will, so there's this struggle back and forth between this him and this uh, congressman who, you know, uh, it enlists him to run and then it's you know the premise is what if an Amish man ran for president and, and what if he won and so that's the premise of the whole musical wow. yeah yeah and, and it's been playing now uh probably about 10 years and wow we bring it back and and we've got uh uh a, other plays that are based on Beverly Lewis, uh, who's a, a Amish writer, uh, and uh, Wanda Brumstetter as well. So we've got their plays that we're doing. And then, uh, like I said, uh, Josiah was uh, based on uh, a novel that I'd written. And, and then we've got 13, and they're playing in these different communities, and they play year round. And it's a lot of fun, and the people just uh, just love love the the experience of going and seeing their life played out on on stage. And there's music and dancing, and now have it's just a lot of fun with the Amish. I haven't been there in about probably twenty five years, but I didn't think that they partook. Of well, they they they'll attend. Now, as far as like, you know, being involved or, you know, being in them or well, whatnot, no, of they, course, you know, right. still there's, yeah, but, uh, but they, but they do come, in fact, our, uh, our executive producer, Mel Rigsicker, mm -hmm. he was Amish, and, uh, and he runs the hotel, the, the whole, uh, you know, they have the hotel, they have a theater, several theaters, and, and he has a lot, uh, he employs a lot of Amish and he has a lot of Amish family that's there, uh, but he he is no, no longer Amish, but, but he certainly has his roots. 
So are there levels of Amishness? So because (laughs) because my understanding is that they stay within their community. You know, they don't they don't use public transport. They don't use traditional train. And there are definitely uh, different. You know, each community. You know, they have their own rules. They have their own uh, bishop, and and they, you know, there's varying degrees of their separateness. But in in this situation, they have. Uh, it attended. I mean, it's it's mainly tourists that attend, but we do have Amish come and see it, and and we always treat them in the script and in the music. We treat them with tremendous respect, and it's you know it's a positive experience for them when they come and they love it, and and uh, we're very. Is there ever the occasion, like in Witness? Sorry for interrupting. I'm excited about this. Is there ever <laughs> an occasion where the Amish and the and and the whatever we're called uh, they romantically call intermingle oh yeah we we oh yeah oh <laughs> it, yeah all, it has to you know there there's rules that, that we you know respect and and go by that in the script and then when the when the plot takes it a different direction then there's consequences and there's stress and the conflict and all of that so all of that's covered and then it ends with a good ending and uh, but we we tackle a lot of different subjects, like with with the uh, the Amish man running for president, which goes against you know their beliefs yeah. as well as far as like you know getting that involved in in politics. But it, he gets trapped into it. But wait a and, minute, they're not supposed to have their picture taken. How does somebody well, run for president? We <laughs> we handle that too it's wow. a on the posters it's it's an artist uh you know it's a sketch of him that's on the posters it's not him or it's just the the word but you know he has to deal with his bishop over the issue because he gets in trouble and he really has to make a sacrifice to to run he went when he find, when he decides that he will run uh, he's he go, he's going against uh, the Amish culture, and but it, that takes the story. And there's you know, it, it takes you on that journey of what it would be like if an Amish man ran for president. So now the people that are going, the tourists that are going, they're in the Amish country to experience the Amish country. So right. they're going to learn about the Amish lifestyle, I assume, by seeing your musical while being entertained. Exactly. And they do, they do learn every plot is different. And we always, you know, cover a lot of what the Amish believe throughout the script and the music and, uh, and the, and the tourists learn that way, but they're entertained and, and it's an enjoyable story and, 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 and there's always humor. Uh, well, you're a humor. comedy writer. Yes, of course there's humor. Well, so, I hope it's dinner theater because they have the best food. <laughs> well, it's, it's not exactly dinner theater, but there's a there's definitely restaurants on the property by the theater so they can eat and then come to the show. But we would sure love to have anybody come in and, and uh, see it. I think they'll they'll enjoy it. And especially now with an election year, it's kind of fun to to watch a, an Amish man and we have you know we have the debates and we <laughs> have so there's a lot of comedy in in all of that uh, with uh, Josiah trying to run for president so it's it's uh, it's entertaining and then the other stories we have all different uh, kinds of plots 
where the Amish girl, the, the new one that we are opening this it year. It isn't uh, a presidential election year. Um, <laughs> well, right. It's an election. Okay. Yeah. D right, yeah. Right, right. Don't I'm confuse the blondes because, you know, <laughs> I had to stop there for, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the president because of the play, but yeah. Right. Uh, but the new one, we, we um, are opening in Shipshawana mm -hmm. uh, here shortly in, in a week or two, uh, is called Dear Soldier Boy. And it's it kind of loosely based on the Dear Bob book as far as uh, the letters. And it's an Amish girl that uh, even though they don't get too involved, uh, she decides that she wants to do something to help. And this takes place uh, in, in the 90s. So mm -hmm. uh, she decides she wants to help with the cause. They put up, a, she works in a cheese shop and they put up a poster that says, that's asking for people to write to the military. Mm -hmm. And so she decides that she wants to do that. And she does it uh, uh, without her father knowing about it. And, and then that the life, her, her letters get complicated because she ends up with uh, three of these GIs falling in love with her and they don't know, she doesn't tell them she's Amish. And so it goes, uh, in fact, one I of like them, this. <laughs> I like this. One of them's the son of a general, so it, you know he's he's from a real you know staunch military family, and and doesn't realize she's Amish. So it it's a comedy, and uh, so now do the Amish sing and dance in your musicals? Well, it's the actors that are playing. Well, Amish, no, I but, I understand, yeah. but Amish, but playing Amish, yeah. but they sing and, and dance, and yeah, and we. We do it in, a, again, a, a very respectful way. Like there's mm -hmm. one scene in one of the plays where uh, the husband and wife do a, like a waltz in the privacy of their barn. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's that kind of a thing. And then sometimes uh, they'll, they'll dance with the group. And a lot of times it's like they get um, pulled into it. Uh -huh. <laughs> like a, like the group is dancing and then they'll pull the Amish one in and, and right uh, and so there's a little hesitation and, and whatnot you know so we, we we try to handle that all um, as respectful as you know we would like to to do it and they would like us to do it so that's fabulous well let's talk about how this is how it's been impacted by COVID I I the people who watch this show, I, I'm a little COVID crazy. I just went to my very first event last week. I went to the Hollywood Bowl outside for the first time in two and a half years, oh, two, almost two and a half years. How has COVID, the, the pandemic impacted your theater? I mean, this is a play that's been going on for 10 years. So right. I assume you were dark for a while. We were, uh, we were dark and, uh, and then we did some that were, when it started opening up a little bit, then we did some plays that only involved like two characters or mm -hmm. uh, three characters. So we, so there wasn't very many and they, they would stay apart on stage. And um, so we handled it that way for easing back into when they, when they opened up and there's still people that, that will attend and they'll still wear masks and whatnot when mm -hmm. they do. Uh, and that's their, you know, that's perfectly fine and then there's others that don't but but it is slowly coming back and and people are getting out again and and um, 
Because uh, I would imagine you know, tourism was way down for oh, yeah, quite some yeah, time. Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, it 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 was <laughs> it was very depressing. We it all just kind of came to a dead standstill, you know. But I think it's it's picking back up, so we're excited about that. And so, how do you feel uh, in the midst of the pandemic, traveling and doing all of that? Are you fine with all of that? Well, you know, you have to protect yourself as much as you can, and uh, and I definitely it was scary. It was a scary time for sure, and you know, you you try to protect yourself in groups and stay home when you know you needed to, and um, you know you don't want any you know anything to happen to yourself or any of your loved ones. So it was scary. Have you avoided COVID all this time? Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, far, me too. I haven't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've been, I've been around it because people in my house have had it, and oh I've, uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm uh, physically compromised, I'm, I'm in that category, yes. so um, uh, I was really lucky, my husband had it, and some of my kids had it, and it just, I, I don't know how, maybe I did have it and I don't realize I did, but, but. Uh, well, that is, yeah, that, yeah. I know, but I'm, I'm knocking on wood for you, <laughs> my fingers and yeah. may luck continue. Martha, you are so prolific. So I, I am imagining that during the pandemic, you probably wrote 30 books. For those of you who don't know, Martha's written 88 books and probably more since that number was published. <laughs> I, I can't even fat and all of these musicals on top of it i have and and television shows out the wazoo i have no idea how this is humanly possible i have one book it took me 13 years to write it but but okay do what did you do during during the the meat of the pandemic when we weren't doing anything i how what did you do you probably wrote three but what did you do <laughs> Well, I think it was during that time that I was definitely finishing up Dear Bob uh, and working on that because that that released in 21. Ah. And uh, so in 20, I was I was finishing that up. I also uh, during that time, I broke my arm. <laughs> oh, no. How'd you do that? I tripped over the dog leash and and just slammed. I think I went airborne. I'm I'm sure I did, <laughs> and slammed onto my shoulder and it and it broke it in two places all the way across my oh. humorous bone, of course. Oh. And so I I had Your humorous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's I, fitting. I spent uh, so I spent part of the year uh, recuperating from that, but I was still writing and writing. Uh, we took it. We took advantage of that time to to get ahead, and we've got several musicals ahead that we uh, that we several have. Several musicals ahead. Eileen Angel, if you're listening, <laughs> don't listen. Turn this off. <laughs> several musicals. Oh my gosh. So okay, let's talk about. Uh, I I lead a band of of writers, women who write. And if this was any other time, I would have invited you to my living room because I had a I had a literary <laughs> salon called Women Who Write, and many oh, many celebrities like your Bob Hope, Carl Reiner, read here, and Norman oh, Lear, and wonderful. I know you know Norman, and yeah. and I would have loved to have had you here to read from from Dear Bob, but. What is your daily discipline? How do you do this? What What's your day like, Martha? A, a, a typical day when you're not traveling. Okay. okay. Um, I love 
to get up very early. In Such the a, what time I don't, is that? Well, it's it's whatever time I wake up, whatever time my eyes wake up, and it's okay. usually three o'clock is often wow. when I get up. And uh, if I get up at two, I'll still get up and and start working. Uh, but I like to get up at three. Three is about the, the time I usually just automatically wake up on my own. And wait, and what time are you going to sleep to get up at three a.m.? Uh, I usually like nine, uh, sometimes ten. But I, if I get like five hours sleep, then uh, and if I'm laying there, I, I don't typically just jump out of bed. I will lay there. But if my mind is going and I can't shut it off, then I go, I, I figure I might as well be working, you know, so I'll go ahead and get up and start working. Uh, and then if I'm on a deadline, then that kicks in as well, because I got to get, get the deadline done. But this is uh, my typical day is I, I start about three in the morning and uh, just work whatever project I'm, I'm working on. And I, I do like to do like several projects at a time. So I'll just advance it so far. And then when I feel like I'm done with that one, I, for the night, I'll um, advance another one and just, just keep like shuffling between them until it gets to the, to the polishing place. And then that you kind of focus on one thing at a time, but that's, uh, I, I'll work until uh, breakfast and then I'm, you know, might do something, we go out or, or do something shopping or whatever. And then I'll come back and work some more and then work into the evening and then go to bed. And then uh, it starts all over. <laughs> so there's a lot of hours in your day that are devoted to writing. Oh yeah. Oh this yeah. This is more than a full-time deal. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I work a lot of hours. And then even when you're in the car or whatever, you know, you're still thinking of ideas and then you write them down on pieces of paper or bank receipts or whatever, and you're <laughs> writing these ideas down. Because if you don't, they're gone. You know, if you don't write it down and get it down on paper, it's sometimes you lose them. So I've disciplined myself to always write it down. And then you got to uh, put them into the computer or whatever. And I was, that was my next question. Up. Do you write on, do you write on computer and yeah, yeah. And so transcribing from your notes and getting them into the computer. And right, then, right. Here's, here's my setback. When I write, I when I come back the next session, I reread what I wrote. I'm guessing you don't do that. You must keep plowing forward. You can't possibly go back. Well, when it gets to the polishing part, I reread it and reread it and reread it. So I'm constantly mm. improving it. And sometimes you reread it just to to fill your brain back up with where you're at so um you know where you're at in the story and you know where right you're exactly at in the article or whatever so every time you read it through for that purpose you're always changing things because you want to make it better and right. or you get a new idea and you go oh that that would work in there and uh so you're always reading and and improving and changing and then it comes to the point where you think where you figure you're you're done. It, it's it's uh, ready to send off. So, have you uh, ever watched a television show? You don't have time for television. Have you? <laughs> how do you? How did you write for television? Have I, you can't possibly have time to watch television? 
I do. I do watch it, and I and I watch comedians. I'll I'll tr I'll try and uh, you know watch a lot. I love comedy, so I whenever something uh, you know catches my ear or. Um, interest or something then I'll, I'll i'll take the time and and watch that and it's it's for professional reasons but it's also for to make you you know put you in a good mood you know is there like anything laughter. that has your attention lately that any comedy that you are enjoying or have enjoyed recently um well uh I, I just I I'll go on YouTube and different comedians you you watch and I, I love that you know some of the up and coming comedians are great but I watch a lot of the the uh, YouTube videos where it'll show a scene from an old show that you just you, know, you remember laughing at as a teenager or as a mm -hmm. child or it, just these legends of comedy I love to watch the legends of comedy and and uh, and study them it's you were it you could really educate yourself by studying the legends okay so how did you come into this so i know you started writing very young as a girl what were your parents literary did they instill that in you they weren't uh, so much literary but they both had a great sense of humor and my dad had a real dry wit and my mom was always you know coming home with jokes that she had heard at work and what did, your, what did your parents so, do? Wait, and where was this? Where did you grow up? I don't even know. I this. grew up in just outside of LA. I spent all my life out there uh, until about maybe almost 20 years ago, we moved to the uh, to Tennessee. But before that, it was all Los Angeles. I, I had uh, gone to school out there and, and my mom uh, was a was a uh, buyer for a department store. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a carpenter, but they just uh, had a had a great, you know, just view on life and a positive, you know, it was a tough life. Life is mm -hmm. always tough for mm -hmm. everybody, you know, mm -hmm. but they got through it uh, with a lot of laughter uh, and faith and it's, you know, whatever came their way. But uh, were, they, were they big readers? Did they instill that in you or was that something? You no, I don't on? think they were. Uh, they were so much uh, readers as far as, as um, that. I, I guess that that was just something I had from a, a young age. I loved stories. I loved writing. I really loved writing. I, from, from the first time I started writing, I, I just, that was just what I, I, to wake up in the morning and write and to, write at school or write when nobody's asking you to write, which is okay. So I want to know about this. So yeah. was it the accolades you got for your writing? Was it the experience of writing itself? Was it both of those things? Um, I think it, I think it was the potential, what, what you could create. And uh, at, I mean, I, I love accolades that, and that, and that was very validating for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't know how far I would have gotten without accolades. So whenever anybody said something good uh, like that, it, it was always kind of a private feel good moment. You know, it was like, oh, my goodness, somebody, you know, my teacher, I remember my teacher in uh, junior high reading some of my work that I had turned in, but he was reading it out loud and I was in the back of the class and I recognized the words being my words. 
and he was being very complimentary of it. So just those those moments that just feed you uh, creatively uh, were just you know wonderful takeaways. But the process of writing was just inside. I just I loved the process. I just loved it. I loved getting the idea. I loved putting it down on paper. I loved playing with words and seeing, well, if you move this word over here and you move that word over there, it sounds better or it's funnier. Uh, and just learning all of that and, and to sit and take a topic and then write, you know, what funny thing can you say about it? Especially, you know, when I started writing for Bob and you just, and, and even when I was writing, uh, uh, you know, for female comedians like Phyllis and uh, Joan and Rivers. And Joan Rivers. Yes, we're going to talk yeah. about them. And I, and you take the topic, whatever it was, I would study their their act mm -hmm. and whatever the topic was. I, and then you then you see how many lines you could come up with under that topic and same with Bob. And uh, it was just it didn't seem like work. It was so okay. We fun. have to talk about this because <laughs> I, you don't know this about my my husband as i call him my my ex-husband <laughs> is a comedy writer and he was david letterman's head monologue writer and wrote for jay oh. leno and bill maher and so he does what you have done which is write jokes for other people make them fun right yeah be, 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 be the funny behind them and i know what his process is he also was a comedy teacher he was my comedy teacher and he teaches people how to write a joke how to be funny now how did you learn that so did you did you did you learn to craft comedy by listening? So were you watching TV as a kid? Were you watching these acts? Were you listening to records? How did you learn their case? And how did you learn to speak in their voice? Right, because Joan Rivers is very different than Phyllis Diller, right. who's very right. different than Bob than Bob right. Hope. So so how did you learn to write comedy? Well, I started you know in growing up, I. I loved to watch the old shows, the comedy shows. I loved comedy shows. And then I So would, were you watching the variety shows and the talk shows or were you watching, watching everything funny? Everything. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't because I'm going to be a comedy writer. It was just I loved it. And I would study subconsciously I was studying how they wrote a joke or how they said a joke or you know all of that. And I just I I just loved it. And when when I started doing it, I, I when I was 14, I did a, a, a gag for, they had a contest that, to write the gag for a cartoon. So I thought, well, I'll try it and then tried it and they printed it. So, you know, it was another validation. Mm -hmm. And then I started, I got into uh, roasting. I was a church secretary and I started roasting the pastor like a friar's club roast. I'm and sure then, it was cleaner than a fryer's oh, club roast. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. But <laughs> but it was I, I was learning in that, you, you know, you're learning how far you can go and 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 uh what things to joke about. Would you insult and, the pastor? No, 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 never. And I never So it wasn't it. like a fry, like it it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a real mean roast. roast because in in my in my opinion, if you're gonna if you're gonna roast somebody, there has to be a tremendous amount of respect and yes. love for that person and that's yes. why you're honoring them right so so i would know my boundaries of just you know having good fun and if if the person of honor is not laughing then 
then you, you know you're not really honoring them right so they should be laughing and having fun and laughing at themselves but in a good way in a good-hearted way and can uh, you give us an example of how you could write a joke about a pastor for a roast that would be funny <laughs> and yet and can, can you think of well, one yeah well there was this one uh church that i had written for and there and it, it was for their baseball team and they had told me that I could joke about the pastor wore a toupee and that I could uh -huh. joke about that. And I, I wrote some jokes about it. And, and then I was still a little hesitant because I, <laughs> you know, at the, at the banquet, I was, are you sure I can joke about this? And, and they, they assured me that I was safe and all of that. So when I got up to do it, one of the lines that I could just remember off the top of my head was, um, uh, you know who can forget that uh, that game when and then I said the pastor's name uh, when he slid into second and his hair went on to third. It, those... <laughs> That's so, right. And, and uh -huh. he laughed the loudest of everybody. So then That's I knew fabulous. I was free, and I just kept going with it. Then after that, but uh, and in fact, when he got up to accept his award, he took his toupee off and tipped oh. it. So it was a fun, fun night. Oh, that's but wonderful. I, I got I got known for that. And, you know, different churches would call me to come roast their pastor. And I, and I just got into the habit of of playing around with the different personality quirks or different situations and seeing what could make it the get the funniest response, get the loudest response. And, the, and it's usually uh, some a surprise. It has to be that the audience doesn't see it coming. And it, somehow you've taken them and you, you've gone to, you know, made a right turn when they were expecting you to go straight. Right. And, you know, it, it's, it, and I learned that I self-taught that. Oh, that's uh, what I was going to ask. So you self-taught, did you study comedy at all? Did you formally just, study? No, just from no. I, I, studying. I had, I bought all the comedy record albums and I uh, read. So who were you, who were you listening to? when you were studying well were i was favorites? listening yeah i i had i had them all i had uh, bill cosby's records i had uh, i watched all the jerry lewis movies i i loved the honeymooners um and uh lily tomlin i mm -hmm. i loved uh, her work and had had her albums and and just kept listening to them and and laughing and studying how they did it and to see you know that that little twist or that little you know something that they took they and i love to be surprised so if i saw it coming then it would be less satisfactory for me but I, do you find martha that when you make yourself laugh you know that's the winner Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and usually it's at two o'clock in the morning or <laughs> in the morning. And, and if you if you break out into a oh, that's that you know, and it surprises you that it just jumped into your head. And right. And you get that 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 belly laugh. Then you go, OK, that's going to that's going to work because it made me laugh out loud. You know, exactly. Exactly. So, and so. So how so while you're learning this, while you're self-schooling, without realizing what you're doing. Do you want to be a stand-up comic? Is that part of it? No, it, it, I was doing the roast, so I would stand up and, and, and do those. Mm -hmm. But it, it was mainly, I, I didn't realize 
what I was learning for. I, I just loved it and was learning. But now I look back and I could say, well, that's what I was doing. I was, I went the path that, you know, my, all of my practice was taking me, but I was just doing it because I loved it. And then I read a book. Were you, were you earning a little, how old were like, were you working in the real world? What were you doing? At this to- time, I was probably in my twenties mm-hmm. and and was wasn't making a living, but I was making uh, <laughs> money as far as like going out to the mailbox and finding the pink envelope from Joan Rivers. Okay, but now wait, you always- you didn't just go from watching the honeymooners <laughs> to getting the pink envelope. You had no, to no. do well, something had- in between. So did yeah. you have any job jobs in that time no, while you at, at that time? No, I just I sent it to her, sent her material, and I sent Phyllis Diller material as well. Okay, so and, how did you do that as a young woman outside of LA? How did you know what to do? How did you follow <laughs> a business path? Well, I just had it in my head that you know, I just had confidence that, well, maybe. I'll send it and maybe they'll like it. You know, I didn't know. And I, I found you handpicked out, Phyllis Diller and you handpicked Joan Rivers because their style, I liked their style. Cause I, I did a lot of housekeeping jokes and, uh, family. And you were jokes. a young woman. I, I was, but I had, I had, <laughs> I had three little kids in my twenties, but between them. Ah. Yeah. So I had a, you know, I had a lot of material. <laughs> and and then I also knew people that I I always had that self-deprecating humor for myself, mm-hmm. and uh, so I had a lot of that in me that I could write about, you know, hating to exercise or or eating or or whatever. I you know, so I had all those same topics, and I thought I I figured that maybe uh, I'd have a shot because it sounded like me, you know, my style of uh, I would do that when. So Martha, would you take things that were happening in your life and then put them into Joan Rivers' voice or into Phyllis Diller's voice? Or were you able to leave it in your voice and they liked that? How did that work? Well, I had to get, I had to learn their voice because that's important. Uh, You have to do their voice. And that came from, uh, first of all, I, I had listened to them enough to know what the voice sounded like. So if mm-hmm. I had wrote a joke and I, and it didn't quite sound like Phyllis, but it sounded like Joan, uh, then it would, you know, I, I would send it accordingly, but you, you have to learn it. And, and how I really learned it was by what they, what they bought. When I, when I started seeing a pattern of what they uh-huh. bought, then I knew, okay, I'm nailing it here. And for whatever reason, you know, these did, didn't make it, but do these you, did. And do you remember studied. any of the early jokes that you sent, that you sold to, to Joan or to Phyllis? Do you remember any of the early ones? Yeah, some of them, um, I tan the easy way. I just wait for my liver spots to connect. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be Phyllis. <laughs> yeah. And and then, um, uh, let's see. the. <laughs> uh trying to trying to think of some other ones that, well, i don't mean to put you on the spot okay. i just i love it so, yeah. my, so my, i just thought of another one my um uh for uh, i'm i'm a lousy cook for years my family thought mold was a frosting 
<laughs> so, so now would you, so, okay. So you're a, a young mother, you've got children. You're also writing books at this time, I'm guessing, because you don't get 88 right. books if you're not doing that all the time. Right. Yeah. So you're writing books. How, how, what is your daily writing comedy discipline? Like, like I'm going to write a hundred jokes today, or I'm going to write. Well, and, and that is what I would do, especially when I started writing and I, I connected with Jean Parrott, who was a, a staff writer on the Carol Burnett show. And I had read his book and this is after I had been working and, and set, you know, selling and uh, his book, we had a lot in common because he wrote for Phyllis. I wrote for Phyllis. He used to do roasts and I, I did roasts. Mm -hmm. So I just wrote him a letter after I read his book and, and said that we had this in common. I didn't expect anything. I just, I just wrote to tell him uh -huh. and how much I enjoyed the book. So he, he then invited me down to see uh, an, a, a taping of Mama's Family. And so when I went down there, I took a scrapbook that had, at the time too, I was also writing a newspaper column. And of course so you were. I, I had this. <laughs> and three magazines. And <laughs> well, I, I was doing magazines too. Of but, course you were. So I had, I had all this stuff in a, in, uh, in a scrapbook. And after the show, we went uh, to, to a restaurant. And I had him uh, look through my scrapbook and the poor guy was this big, thick scrapbook and, and he went through it page by page and he was reading it and he was so encouraging. And he said, you really need to be writing for a sitcom or something. And uh, so he's the one that, that uh, pushed me to, you need to be writing 30 jokes a day or 25 jokes a day. And so he set that as a goal and, and then I just kept, you know, and how would you do that, Martha? Like for Gabe, he would sit down with the newspaper. He would write, he was writing topical jokes because he was writing for yeah, Letterman. Exactly. Letterman stuff. So he would sit down with the newspaper and he would craft right. jokes based on the news. So how, I mean, the dishes weren't changing. The cookie, cooking wasn't changing so much day to day. How would you come up with 25, 30 new jokes a day on life as you were living yeah. it? Well, you, you know, things would happen in the kitchen often uh, a lot of the time. So it just kind of, a lot of times the jokes wrote themselves mm -hmm. or you're sitting there in a chair and you're looking at something, you know, a pile of laundry or dust in the corner or whatever. And then you just let your brain go to the extremes and see where you can, where you can take it. Or you hate to exercise, which, which I, I did. Um, so I would write a lot of jokes uh, uh, you know, about the, about exercising and, and uh, like what, one of the jokes I had was uh, um, I, I do 10, uh, I do 20 jumping jacks a day. Well, half of that, I, I just clap. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you get it while you're exercising and you're thinking, right. I hate this, you know, and so you, your brain goes to what can you say funny about it? Uh, and, and then, and, and you're right, those, those were a little uh, harder after a while, after I had written hundreds and hundreds of, of housekeeping jokes, how to, you know, to come up with new angles and whatnot, although life continues to give you new angles. Right. But the topic, when I started writing for Bob, then it was uh, 
topical. Humor. Okay, so now how did that? How did you segue from Phyllis and Joan to Bob? Bob Hope. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The um, uh, with with Bob, what happened with that is when I connected with Gene. He had asked me to write a couple of spec scripts for Mama's family. Okay, now wait a minute. How did you know how to do that? Because that's a completely <laughs> that's a completely different kind of writing. Well, it 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 was, but I had in the early years I had done playwriting, and so I was already doing that. So when also it, self-taught. Yeah, self-taught. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, and so. I, I, you know, self-taught myself. I got books on script writing and, and self-taught myself how to do that. So I wrote, and at the time that I connected with him and, and he asked me to do that, I, my typewriter wasn't working. And so for a quarter- Typewriter, we were back on the typewriter. Back on the wow. typewriter. Well, I was on the typewriter years after the computer came in. I was still doing typewriter, but uh, I, finally, I finally switched over. Correct to type and, and white out. Now that's oh, is... oh, oh man. <laughs> and, and you'd have to, if you made a mistake, like a, if you wanted to move a paragraph that it should be uh... up here, you had to retype the whole thing. Yeah. Oh. It was, it was rough. But so it, it wasn't working. So for a quarter, for 20 minutes, I went down to the local library and sat and typed two spec scripts for Mama's family, feeding. <laughs> probably a thousand dollars worth of quarters into this machine wow but it uh that's i mean i was so excited about it though and, and I, I didn't let the not having a typewriter working stop me I, I thought well i could go down there and feed it quarters and type it up so i did and i and i got it to gene and and he loved my work uh was very complimentary wow. but what happened it is uh, the show got canceled at that time. It ended up coming back, but at that time, that window, it got mm -hmm. canceled. So uh, he, he had gotten it to, to Ed Simmons, who was the producer, and Ed had, had called me and, and told me that he was going to send, this is before they knew it got ca canceled, that he was going to call me in to pitch some show ideas. And so uh, uh, then the show got canceled, and then uh, so Jean said, "You want to try writing for Hope?" And I was like, "Are you serious?" You know. And so he gave me a, a topic, and I uh, wrote some jokes on it. And he got it to Bob, and and I waited to hear back. And then one night, uh, we had came. My husband and I came home from a, a function, and. Uh, he took the babysitter home and the phone rings and it's like 11 o'clock at night. And sure enough, it was Bob Hope. And he told oh. me that he loved my work and started calling me ever since. And I ended up becoming his first woman staff writer. So. Which is crazy in and of itself, because it's such a boys club. And it's also, <laughs> I don't know about when Bob, for Bob Hope, but the late night shows are so stuck up about Harvard writers, Yale writer, like they're so stuck up about where you were educated for you to write their comedy. Uh -huh. um, so the fact that you were able to do this as a woman, not with with a 
with that kind of education is this is beyond everything. So were the men except, well, did you work from home and send the jokes? But no, you actually were on shows. You were, oh, you yeah. were a staff writer. Right. So yeah. how did the men treat you in the room? Well, that was what was so, well, that's what was so wonderful is they, you know, cause I was young and, uh, mm -hmm. and they all kind of, kind of really guided me along and they were very helpful and they were legends in comedy writing. I mean, the people that I got to work with was, I, I still can't believe it. It's just amazing. And because we had the Carol Burnett show, we had, uh, these are all represented in, among the writers, MASH. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Uh, Dean Martin Rose, uh, Red Skelton. I mean, th they all had these tremendous credits. And wow. so when I joined in, it, um, it was just a wonderful work. We loved to laugh. Everybody loved to crack each other up. And so that, it was fun. It was work. It was very much uh, work as far as the the amount of material that you had to turn in. Because Bob, when he when he would have a show, he'd have like 20, 25 topics that he would give us. And we would write 20 jokes per topic. So the volume of material was amazing that you're writing and, and it's one weekend and you're you're just writing wow. jokes all weekend, you know. Um, in fact, there was, uh, there was a lot of fast writing too, because he, he would not only would you do the TV shows, but you would do, uh, you know, if he, wherever he was appearing. Well, I mean, so, if he went on the USO tours, are, right. are you guys going with him? How is that working? I, well, if they were, if they were in, in, uh, some of us did. And I had three kids, three little kids. So I, I went to the ones that they were here in in the United States, mm -hmm. but uh, we wrote for him, definitely wrote for him. And we would get calls from wherever he was at. And, and then you'd, you'd write the military shows uh, from that. And then you'd get, get those to him and you'd write the political shows and the, uh, his, his television specials, his personal appearances, any uh, wow. tributes, if somebody, you know, friend or celebrity uh, passed away, you'd do that. Um, you know, we, we, we had so many interesting assignments that were just, uh, you, you're, you get the assignment and then, you, you know, it's, you'd call each other and you go, can you believe this? This is what we're doing, you know, but it was fun. It was always fun. There was this one time when he, uh, we, he was appearing at a psychiatrist convention. So we all wrote psychiatrist jokes, which, you know, came very easily. And, you know, and you're, <laughs> you're having fun writing it. And then when Bob got to the venue, he discovered that it wasn't a psychiatrist convention. It was a chiropractor's convention. Oh. So we had, we had about 15 minutes before he walked onto stage. We had to write all new material for him. You know, it was wow. pretty crazy, but um, uh, he'd call it all hours of the day or night because of the different time zones that he was in wow so there was this one time one one of the writers he got a call and it was well past midnight but his he was asleep and his wife picked up the phone and and bob said you know is your husband there and she looked over at her husband and and just didn't have the heart to wake him up yet again for another you know midnight assignment 
So she thought, she hesitated, and, and then she finally said, well, no, uh, he said he was going to be with you tonight. <laughs> so, so there was this pause, and then Bob says, oh, yeah, here he comes now. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, uh, did, he was did quick. You, were he, your, was your voice for Bob unique? Because you are a woman. So was your spin on things or the things you chose to write about or was it just all assimilated and not different? Well, it, 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 was all, um, it was all him, but I was so trained because I had written a lot for pastors and written you know, for, for men as well as for women. So I, I have got a lot of practice doing that already. Plus, when I look back, a lot of the jokes that I wrote were, had Bob Hope's style already. So it, it was kind of an easy fit. And uh, and then the topics, I love writing topical material anyway. So it was always fun. And it, and it was always exciting because things were always changing. You had- So, so new... okay, so now we get into it. So as I said, Gabe would sit down with the newspaper and he would write in the margins yeah, based on yeah. the stories. Is that what you were doing when Absolutely. you were writing topical? Mm -hmm. And you'd write the word, you'd write words that went with that, whatever whatever it was, you'd write all the all the words that could be associated with that topic and then you just tumble it around in your brain until you started seeing a connection oh that would be funny if this you know put this word over here with this and and you're you're constantly looking for that surprise mm -hmm. and um you know something that the audience isn't going to see coming and then it and it's something really clever hopefully that that puts these two together together and uh, it'll get, you know, ideally get a good response from the audience. But we always love to share our, our material with each other, too. We, if we got a good one, we'd call up the other writers and say, oh, he, oh wait, do you hear this one? <laughs> and, and would Bob share, be coming uh, to the writer's room at all? Or did he just leave it all to you guys? Well, it, most of the time he would, uh, you know, it, it would be over the phone and he'd give us the topics. But a lot of times he would have a meeting at his house and or at his office, either one. And we'd all be there and we'd pitch ideas, uh, especially for the shows. Uh, we mm -hmm. would pitch the ideas of whatever the sketch might be. And and he loved he he was a lover of material. He loved to get the material sent to him and then he would share it when we were all together. He'd go, uh, you know, Martha, uh, has something here or or Cy has a, a you know a good idea here or um you know it it, it this one time he uh, uh he asked me for a joke and I said I said well off the top of my head and Bob says oh we're not going to go up there again are we <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's so wonderful and how how what was he reading a teleprompter how I mean, to do all this material that... Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about Bob. In my personal opinion, I think he had a photographic memory. Wow. Because he, he used the cue cards for the mm -hmm. shows, of course, you know, for the monologues and whatnot. Right. But when he would do his live show, mm -hmm. uh, most of the time it would be, uh, you, you know, he'd, he'd call us up because something had happened 
in the news <laughs> in that community where he's performing. So he, mm -hmm. he'd say, well, they're tearing up all the streets here. So write us, write me some jokes about that. Or the, the mayor got indicted, write, write some jokes about that, what it, whatever it is. And so we would give him jokes and he would, he would walk onto stage with 10, 20 brand new, brand new jokes that we just phoned in to him and he'd, he'd just tell them. Now, that's some, someone that really has a, um, an amazing memory. Plus, if you look at the videos of him performing in World War II, he just walks on stage and the same thing is his writers were giving him the material just before he went on. Wow. And because each base, you'd have something different that he'd want to do. And so he'd walk out there and, and there's not a cue card. There's not notes. He's just doing it from memory. He's just talking to the boys and the girls. And it, it's, it's incredible that he, the mind that he had, and he would call us, he would call uh, often and say, you know, that joke that, that uh, about such and such that, that I did at the such and such convention in, you know, 1985. And, you know, I, I, he could get that for me or whatever, but he knew, he knew exactly where he was at and what year it was and where I could find it. it wow. Incredible did memory. He, did, did he ever, was he accepting of whatever you gave him or would he say, no, that's not funny or well, would that, he rewrite you guys? Like what no, was the process? Yeah, not, not necessarily. I mean, if you're, if your joke made it uh, if he liked it, it, it went as is, and he would deliver it. Of course, his delivery was phenomenal. So, you know, it, that always helped. But uh, he, he never let anything go to waste either. It would be often that you would, you'd go to a show, and you'd hear a joke that you had turned in for last year's show, but, but he'd pull it out and, and bring it to that show so nothing went to waste um in and it it pretty much you know if it was on the paper and it was good then he he would uh, he would check them he he'd give it a a, a check uh you know so let's say you turned in 25 jokes how many checks would you get normally well it it always got pared down like what we would turn in would be you'd get so many checks like, you know ideally like a, on a page of jokes um you might have three or four and there's eight on the page mm -hmm. uh, which is cool and then and then it would be uh and he would deliver a monologue for the for the television audience and so that would be about 40 45 minute monologue so you'd have a lot of jokes in that wow and then that would get pared down to what would be seen on television would be the, you know, six, eight, 10 minute monologue in the beginning. Or so what got, you know, it, it all the way along, it would get pared down, but you loved it when, when you heard one of your jokes, we do, we would all stand on the side of the stage and wait for him, you know, him to do the monologue and, and Barney McNulty was the cue card guy and, and he'd come out with a stack of cue cards and we couldn't see the, the cards. So you didn't know when one of yours was coming, but when you, when you heard one, 
Now you waited for the laugh. You always waited for the laugh. And if you got the laugh, then you'd nudge the guy next to you, you know, <laughs> and say, that's mine, you know? And, uh, but if it didn't get a laugh, then you just stood there and <laughs> wondered who wrote it, you know, but uh, it, it was fun, fun times. Oh my goodness. And how was Bob personally uh, with you and with the writers? He, he was wonderful. He was very approachable, very, it, it was like your uncle. He was just so nice. And in 50, I was with him 15 years. And in that amount of time, he never said one unkind word to me. He was oh. the nicest, nicest boss you could ever ask for. Wow. And just um, very thoughtful. Uh, when my mother died, he called me up and we just sat and talked about moms and um, it was just so thoughtful, thought, uh, just, and he never took himself, he knew who he was. There was one show we did when uh, it rained on us. We were filming in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater, remember the, uh, where the footprints sure. are? Mm -hmm. And we were filming there, but it started raining and it was going to be an outdoor shot. So he just, he waved everybody to follow him and, and he walked down the street to another, a regular uh, movie theater mm -hmm. and just walked in and said, we're going to film here. <laughs> and they're all like, oh my gosh, that's Bob Hope, you know? So they, uh, they, they let him do it, but he, he knew that, but, but it wasn't in an arrogant way or anything like that. And there was this one time when I was at his house and, uh, you know, dropping off material, and he wanted to show me Dolores had just uh, remodeled his office area. It was off to the side of their bedroom. And so he was showing me the office. And then there was this hallway and it was lined with all these pictures, all these photographs of him with this king and this queen and oh God celebrity and General Patton and just so many all along this wall. And we get down to the end of the wall the hallway and um and he stops and he looks back at all of these his life down this hallway and he just said it's something isn't it martha it really is something he couldn't believe his own life he was in awe of everything that had happened in his lifetime and i mean we all are in awe of it it it, it was just remarkable but but he didn't have an arrogance about it. It was, oh my goodness, I got to do this. It was just, it was amazing. That one moment, I'll never forget the look on his face. How lovely. And you got to, I'm sure, work with a ton of iconic celebrities who would guest on Bob Hope's oh. shows. What was that? And were you writing for them? Were you writing for Lucille Ball or were you writing for these George Burns or I don't. Yeah. Well, and when they came on the show, because he always did a talk spot with them. Mm -hmm. So you did, you hit, you know, their lines and, and his lines, you'd, you'd write the whole, the whole bit. And then wow. you'd have, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was in the guest list on his show over the year, the 15 oh. years that I was with him. I, I look back at the names and it was everybody. It was everybody that was anybody in Hollywood. And, and he had a whole career of that. You know, it was just uh, from presidents to the legends to, and what was, what was the most incredible thing is that when he would do a show, 
often these legends would just show up just to watch from the background and you know where we were off stage like can you give us an example of who like who just showed oh, up Oh, milton burrow danny thomas uh, oh my George god they just dropped by they would drop by uh jonathan winters and and wow. they were also on the shows in the past and whatnot mm -hmm. but if he was having a show taping they would just drop in and say hi bob how you doing and wow. then when he would go back to his dressing room for whatever reason, they would take to the stage and do part of their act for oh the audience. God. It was amazing to, wow. see, to see, number one, their respect that they had for him. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, the writers wanted to get our picture taken with George Burns in his dressing room. So we, we stopped by and, and, uh, and he was so gracious and, and let, us, let us take it. But when we were leaving, he says, you work for the nicest man in show business. Oh, isn't that a nice tribute? That's Just, lovely. It, it was amazing. But yeah, everybody was on his show. Everybody um, oh. from the, the highest in music, the, the today's. To like, did you have I, I'm I, I ha I'm having this vision. I don't know if it really happened. We're like Sonny and Cher on like people like that. And like I'm thinking. Well, they. Uh, before my time they they were uh, uh, but i i think i have a memory of yeah. it but so like who, he has who? done parodies of them as well uh. <laughs> so like who what, like and would you write those parodies as well well when they would come on the show yeah absolutely we did we did everything that that he needed whatever he wanted you know we would we would write it um but just I mean, you know, you, you name it and you're, you can't believe that they're on the show and you're interacting with them and getting to, and, and the phone calls that you got to make before the show to find out information for the talk spot. And you're, you know, so in a day you would be calling, you know, three major stars and, and then calling Bob back and, and you're just, you're like shaking your head. You just can't believe it. That, Wait, that did Bob ever got, get, sorry for interrupting. Was, did Bob ever get starstruck? Was there anybody who kind of, well, cause he knew them all and he moved he in knew, that circle. Yeah, he, but. he knew them all. I, I mean, probably uh, presidents. He probably was definitely um, starstruck. I would, I would assume he would get a, he would get uh, not, not, nervous but ex an excitement and he would want to do well like when he would go on the tonight show or, or go so we always and so you always, wrote his sets that he would yeah that we, we we would get several calls during the day you know before he would go on uh, to those shows for different ideas that he would come up with you know well, give me something on this or give me something on and that so what was that like martha when you would write something for bob and he'd be sitting there with johnny carson and he's saying your line i mean that has to be a thrill oh, beyond a thrill any, every every time you heard one of these stars and yeah uh, you know i still remember you know when i heard uh, joan rivers on on the tonight show and and she did one of my the my first line that i had heard her do and i had sent it in and i didn't know she had bought it yet until i heard her say it and i was like do you know oh, what do you remember goodness. it you know, I, I, I need to look don't, that up to say, I know I, I, yeah, I it's okay to get that. So I, so I know, but I remember distinctly recognizing it. And then sure enough, I got a check, you know, later. And did but, Johnny laugh? 
Oh yeah, yeah. And then there was another time when uh, he he did a joke with with President Reagan, and Reagan did a did a big laugh, and and I was watching it on the news. I didn't know it was coming, and I watched it on the news. I'm like, oh, that's my line, you know. So oh that was God. a that was a big moment. But uh, yeah, he he ran in such a such an amazing crowd, and and treated everybody equal. You know, he he really did we we would always have christmas parties or you know different events mm -hmm. and there was this one christmas party it was at uh, one of the houses and uh you know everybody was socializing and and you know eating and whatnot and bob had had gone to the bedroom where they were watching the football game and he sat there in a chair and there was one of the guests was so mesmerized that he was that close with Bob Hope oh. that he just stared at him about three or four inches from his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just staring. And Bob was so gracious. He never oh. backed away or nothing. He just knew the guy was doing it. But uh, he just was so gracious. And at, the, and at those parties, we would have not only would we have a, a guest list that was incredible and we would have all of the people that were on staff and, and connected with him and their and their spouses or you know uh, right family or whatever and he would also have his gardener and he would also have his cook oh. and he would also oh. have his driver he just loved people and didn't treat anybody different everybody was that? special to him it was it was really it was it was an amazing uh, time in in uh, entertainment and and it was he was such a he was the one that was connected to everybody he was connected to everybody talk about uh, uh, just you know being a game changer he certainly was so let's talk about your book dear bob Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II. What, why now? What, how did this come to happen now? Because Bob's been gone a while. You worked for him in the 80s and the 90s. What resurrected this for you at this point in time? Well, see, that's what I love about this book. This book, we started working on it when Bob was alive. Oh, so he's very much a part of it. Aww. And uh, what happened was I had, I had, uh, Linda had known about the book, the uh, letters. So Linda Hope, had, his daughter is the his one daughter. that you wrote this. And, book, yes. and she had grown up with the letters in the house and had always been curious about them. And then uh, she uh, also- Before you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you uh -huh. just give us a quick backstory? How did- Bob start this whole thing with this? How did he start the USO tours? How did he start this whole part, this huge part of his life? Well, he, uh, his producer had, had uh, come up with the idea of, of taking the sh his radio show out and maybe doing it at a, at a, at a base. And so Bob didn't quite- Was he a soldier? who the uh, producer Bob. Well, his was Bob a soldier no he uh when the war when the war broke out and mm -hmm. and he uh, uh well he first he did the he did the show on May 6th 
1941 at Marchfield. He was invited to go there by, you know, his producer arranged it. His producer's brother was in the military there and that was kind of why he was wanting him, him to go do a show there. But Bob just Wait, fell was, in love with Bob that Was Bob a fighting age when this was happening? Was he soldier material at this point? Well, it, he was uh, late. He was born in, in uh, 03, 1903. Oh. So uh, this was in 1941. So he was his late 30s. But he, he loved that audience. He was so um, just blown away by that audience. And so he, you know, was wanting to do more and more of that. But then when war broke, broke out, when they bombed Pearl Harbor, then mm -hmm. um, uh, Roosevelt, Bob wanted to enlist. Bob wanted to enlist, but Roosevelt felt that he would be better, uh, his talents would be better served if he just kept the morale of the troops up. Wow. So Bob took took that assignment on, and uh, Boy, I don't he. think I don't think Roosevelt knew who he was getting when he, uh, you know, asked Bob to do that because Bob took it a step further than anybody could have uh, would have taken it, and and he ended up doing fifty years of military shows and up to the end of his life his late his last military show was when he was 87 years old oh, and he's wow. going in and out of helicopters and going oh, flying God. as close to the you know front lines as as he could get and ducking sometimes the same incoming as the as the soldiers are and he's 87 Wow. I, you know, how many 87 year old people do you know that would do that? And, and he no, was, none. He was, uh, you know, they may want to, but they, you know, just logistics, they may not be able to. And he, 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 uh, he couldn't do enough. And he would have kept on going. He would have kept on going. I, I, you know, he would have, he would have still, still been doing it. Nothing. And so how did these, how, so when, when the letters started, when this, I, I assume as soon as he would do a USO sh show, he'd start getting fan. How many letters was he getting when during the war? 38,000 letters a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, yeah, and he, so he, well, he couldn't he possibly would. answer these. So how? How did he have court? How, what what was that? Well, he had he had a he had a secretary, Marjorie Hughes, who did a fabulous job of collecting these and keeping them in great shape, and uh, and he, you know he he was a major star when this oh, all happened. Sure. He was already a major star, and uh, for him to he took time out of his own celebrity and. It didn't matter. He he did it in his off time. He would go and visit the troops wherever they were at, wherever he couldn't wait to do it. That was that became his mission. It became his lifelong mission. Wow. And it it became his love. It it, it got into his heart. I I think after what he saw, which we know what he saw in the different hospitals that he would just you know he made sure he visited the hospitals he made sure he visited uh he made sure that the uh the 
he ate with the troops. He made sure that they had their best seats in the house and, and they're right up front and especially the injured ones. He brought them, you know, they'd bring them up in stretchers and, and he just gave everything he could give to them and uh, and wanted to do more. He just, they were, they had, they captured his heart. They got in there and that was such a big part of his life. And he's spent five decades doing it. It's just unbelievable. So back in the day when he was getting 38,000 letters, was there like a machine spitting out responses and how, how much involved was he in actually he, writing back to people? To he was people? very, in, he was very involved. In fact, when you're, you know, re reading through the letters, I can't wait. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he, it's his voice. You, you could tell he's the one writing it. Now, you know, she organized it and, and she probably, you know, no doubt wrote some, but he wrote, he answered as many as he could. And he remembered, here's that memory, that fantastic memory. Right. He would remember the, the person, the soldier, where he saw him and, you know, what the soldier had said to him. And oh it's just amazing that, um, that he had that, that recall and and it meant something to him he would remember uh letters that he would receive from the parents and uh he would ask in the questions that he would you know the back and forth and whatnot you knew he knew he so he if, if people, people would come up to him at one of his yeah. live shows or whatever and he would be able to place the yes yes wow. it, it was it, it was incredible to watch and the respect that the different veterans when they would come to the shows and you could just tell the respect, the mutual respect, he had respect for them and they had respect for him. It was, it was incredible to watch, but he really, um, he, he cherished those letters, but they were, they were uh, special to him. And so when I, uh, Linda had grown up with them and had done a high school report on them and had, had always been um, very interested in them and, and, and uh, you know, would sometimes put them in the shows, different shows that she was a producer of, of some of his, many of his shows. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I found out about them, I talked to Bob and I asked him, I said, have you ever thought about putting these in a book? And, and he, he loved the idea, but he said, I don't think I can, I can go through them again. You know, it was, it was so, so close to his heart because they, mm -hmm. the letters are very, very, um, they're open and they're very raw about mm -hmm. their injuries and, and the things that they had seen or, or things that had happened there, you know, there's some that are very funny mm -hmm. and there's many that are just, uh, thanking him. There's the gratitude just comes through these letters. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, he, he suggested that I talk with Linda and, uh, and, and we see, you know, what we could do. So, so we talked, we met and we started uh, working on it way back then when Bob was alive. And then as what happens in Hollywood, you, you get, you know, this other project, this other deadline is mm -hmm. coming and so you, you've got to put that aside, but we never forgot about it. And a few years ago, I happened to, uh, after Bob passed away, I wasn't sure where it stood. 
And so a few years ago, I got an email from her that said, uh, yeah, you know, would you like to get back on that book? And I, I was like, oh my goodness, would I? So we started picking it up from there. And by, by this time, the letters had been moved to the Library of Congress, had been uh, donated to them. And so I, I started going up to, uh, I had done a lot of work already with the letters when they were at his house in, in California. But now I started, had to uh, finish it up at the Library of Congress and, and went there and, and uh, finished it. And then I would work on the manuscript, send it to Linda and she'd make great suggestions. And, and then I work on it again and we went back and forth and back and forth. And, and then the University Press of Mississippi came on board and then the book came out in wow. uh, we were hoping it would come out. It was supposed to come out the year 2020, but uh, it came out in 21, which, you know, it was still, I think people after had having gone through 2020, it was, it was, uh, uh, they were looking for hope and, and the book uh, hopefully have, provided it. Have you, uh, oh, I have no doubt. Have you heard from anybody whose relative's letter is in the book? Or you know what's funny is one of the one of the letters I mean one of the photographs of uh, a nurse dancing with Bob and it's it's a real recognizable picture when you see it because she's she's having the time of her life you could tell and he's having fun and, she, and her daughter wrote me and said that's my mom you know so that Aww. that was really really super cool and we've had you know a few uh, uh, others connections and whatnot so it's it's so fun to um to be able to, to share that with the world. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, we're both just so excited that uh, it's such a piece of history. It's such a wonderful piece of history. And to, to, to learn about the war in, in the voice of the GIs themselves wow. is just incredible. And then to hear Bob and it, it has Bob's letters back to them. So it has the, you know, back and forth, uh, between them and and the the things that the soldiers would send him they they would joke around with him and they would send him prank <laughs> you know gifts prank gifts and uh and he'd joke right back and they'd ask him to adopt him and to adopt their whole their whole uh, company and it, it's just the back and forth between him and the soldiers is just wonderful and it's so lovely because letter writing is such a lost art form. It is, yeah. Uh, and it's just something we, we just email everything. And I'm I'm moving, and I found a letter yesterday that Billy Crystal wrote me in 1984 when I did oh. a um, a Saturday Night Live with him, where he did Buddy Young Jr. for the first time. And yesterday, my son went and saw that show, that character on Broadway, and I found the letter oh, with a picture wow. of us. And it was like, and a letter addressed to me with a stamp yeah. on it i mean yeah. we just don't do this anymore no and and what a loss what because it doesn't it's not quite the same an email you it's know it's not the same but, because uh -uh. The, the other person didn't touch it a letter we touch it right yeah they touch it, it. Right. There's and it's all in their that. writing. It's all in their writing. And oh, it's just wonderful. That's a beautiful. Well, this is, I'm so excited about this book. And before we go, I just wanted to talk 
for another moment about your own, about books that you've written. Your titles kill me. Didn't my skin used to fit? <laughs> Cooking with hot flashes. So are you like an Irma Bombeck type <laughs> um, writing about your own domestic experiences? Yeah, she was a she was a real influence on on me as well. She, but I remember reading her books and and being all excited about the, uh, you know, the possibility of writing a book someday like that. And uh, yeah, I I take my, you know, whatever happens throughout my day and and uh, and have some fun with it. You know, like the first time that uh, I was offered the senior discount at a fast food restaurant <laughs> and how devastating that was horrible. You're thinking you look really cool and young and they offer you the senior discount so <laughs> yeah for me it was at a movie theater it was like oh, oh was it god. yeah oh god yeah oh, you, you gotta laugh you, you gotta, gotta laugh. laugh so are of the 88 books how many of them are non-fiction about your life and do you write fiction well, you do for with the Amish musicals, right? Right. Those are uh, those are all fiction, and then I I have written two novels. I was always afraid, not afraid, but just put off writing novels because it just seemed like such a big job, and and then I finally got to a place when I got the idea for Josiah for president. I mm -hmm. thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this and and see maybe this is the book because I had so many of the of the uh, point the you know, the, the outline was all in my head mm. and I had it fleshed out pretty well. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just write this. I, I had written it as a screenplay first mm. and then each step I, I had all the pieces. So I, I thought, well, I bet you this, you know, maybe I can do this as a novel. So I did, I did that. And then it, be, then we turned that into a musical. And, uh, and then I did another novel called The Home Game, which has, is a musical as well. And I, I like, I like, but it does take a lot of your time as far as, you know, a novel, cause you've got, you have to be immersed in it for, uh, you know, a good period of time and, and not get lost with your characters cause you're, you're juggling everybody, you know? So it was a, it was a, um, a lot of work, but it was a fun experience. I, I'd do it again. It was fun. Well, I'm in awe, Martha, of all of the, every bit of this. As a writer, I'm like, okay, I have to work a lot harder. <laughs> but what an amazing career you have. And um, I, I, I just, I, 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 so do you still write all yeah. through the day and night? Yeah, 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 I, I do. And I, and I, that's the one thing about writing is that there is no age limit. There is no, um, you could do it. You could just keep on doing it. And uh, most writers do, they go well, you know, into their, into the sunset. Uh, and, and it keeps you young, I think it, it you know, cause you got to stay up with what's people are talking about, what's trendy, what's, uh, what's are in you the still writing comedy. Yeah, but I usually put it into books or musicals or, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, once in a while, I'll, I'll write for, uh, for other people. I was going to say, do you yeah. still send jokes to comedians that... Not as much as I, not as much as I used to, but if I get asked, sometimes I, I, I will, if I, you know, if it's something that I can, if it's in a period of time where I, I have some free time, then, then I'll do it. But, um, 
I'm so excited though about what I'm doing right now is, uh, you know, that's what's taken most of my time is is doing the the books and and the musicals and you know, so all of that. Is there a book that you are working on right now? Of course there is. There's probably three. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I would really like to write my my own personal memoirs of my writing oh yeah yeah so that's a story right there <laughs> that sure is i want i want to that's kind of moving to the forefront in my mind you know to get that get that all written down so well i hope you do martha this you know we had a little trouble getting on the air but i'm so glad that we persevered and and it worked out how fun oh, is too. this how wonderful are you and what a career i'm like crazy so it's dear bob bob hope's wartime correspondence with the gis of world war ii and it's available in real bookstores on online bookstores you have a website marthabolton.com where they can access your other books i assume and yeah and it it, it sends them over to diff different bookstores or um, amazon uh there's also they could get it at uh, bobhope.com slash dear bob more and then that okay well they, that's i think if they if they google dear bob it's gonna come yeah, up right come and they're up. gonna find it'll it it'll come up yeah well fabulous thank you so much for doing this martha taking i got like a whole hour plus of your writing time i'm sorry <laughs> i feel guilty no, now <laughs> this regenerates me that it, it, it reinvigorates me so i'm i'm I, I enjoyed it. It was, it's Excellent. always fun to talk about. As I'm you so know, glad. writing is a lonely life. So <laughs> you love well, to talk writing with other people. So that's... Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Martha. And I look forward to reading the book. Thank you so much. See you oh, soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. -bye.